Well, good morning everyone. Uh, I have to say this is one of my stranger preaching experiences to date. I'm in my front room preaching to my iPhone rather than to all of your lovely faces. And yeah, I've waited in prayer whilst writing this talk with all of you in mind. I, uh, I can't tell you really how much my heart is longing for us to be able to gather in one place again for us to be able to hug each other or even say hello at a distance of less than two meters to share communion together i really can't wait i'm so hopeful for the days on the other side of this time and i'm so aware of the loss that we're walking in that we just never saw coming and i think that this tension of loss and of hope speaks to me of the christian experience of life as a whole anyway, this life that we walk out together. Because I think we're aware of the illness and the pain and the injustice that are around us. And we're aware of all the ways that we fall short and make bad decisions and hurt other people. And we might call this sin, we might call it shame, but whatever name we use, these are the things that get in the way of us and God being in relationship together. But the good news and the hope and the joy set before us is Jesus. Jesus is the God who made the universe and who knows every single hair on our heads. And he stepped out of heaven and he moved into the neighborhood. Jesus walked on the same earth that we do and he taught us how to live and how to be. And he told us what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus told us that his justice would reign and that every tear would be wiped from every eye. And he went to the cross and he died a terrible death so that this would be so, so that we could come home and so that all of creation would be made new and redeemed. And we walk in loss because things are not as they should be and because God has set eternity in our hearts we know that things are not as they should be. But God calls to us. He is calling us home and that is the good news that we get to hold on to every day, but especially right now in these peculiar times. And so we're gonna look at this through the lens of one story from the life of Jesus today. We're following lectionary readings as we come towards Palm Sunday and as we come towards Easter, we're looking at the life of Jesus and his journey to the cross. And today we are looking at the story of Lazarus. So if you'd like to grab your Bible or whatever form that you like to read the Bible in, today we're gonna to read John chapter 11, verses one to 45. Um, it's a relatively long reading, uh, so I would encourage you to grab your Bible and read along with me today. So this is John chapter 11, uh, reading from verse one. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again. Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, so that we may die with him. Just as a sidebar, I find that really interesting, knowing that in the story to come, the disciples scatter when Jesus does go to his death. But even here, they're, they're willing to die with him. I don't have a point. I just think that's, that's an interesting thing to notice in the life and the journey of the disciples. So to carry on. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to, to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, 
Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot, with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, believed in him. So the words and the works of Jesus made people believe in him. And I'm finding so much comfort in the Gospels right now, in the words and the stories of my beloved Jesus. Uh, so once when I was particularly struggling with my mental health, my counsellor at the time asked me what or if I was reading in the Bible, and the answer was Exodus and Leviticus. Uh, I was at the beginning of a plan, of a reading plan, reading the Bible from start to finish, and I was quite deep in a doomful bit of law. Um, and she kindly suggested to me that maybe that wasn't the best the best bit of the Bible that I could be reading at that time. She suggested that maybe it would do my heart good to sit with Jesus and be reminded of the goodness of God. And I've taken that advice to heart. In times of trouble, I turn to the Gospels. And today we're going to do that together. So in the story that we read, there are a whole load of twists and turns. First, we hear that Lazarus is sick and that he is someone that Jesus loves. And prior to this, we've seen in chapter four of the book of John that Jesus can heal at a distance. He doesn't need to be close by. A centurion traveled to Jesus and asked him to heal his son, who was on the edge of death. And Jesus said, yes. And so the centurion goes home and finds that the boy was healed before he even got there. And when they worked out the time, they realized that the, that the boy had been healed at the very moment that Jesus had said, yes, this boy will live. And so we can assume that that, that Jesus could, if he'd, if he'd wanted to, have healed Lazarus at a distance. He could have dealt with the problem from a distance, but he doesn't, he doesn't do so. And instead he decides to journey to Bethany causing a whole lot of consternation amongst the disciples who are aware that the Jews tried to stone Jesus the last time he went anywhere near Judea and Jerusalem. But off they go, with Jesus actively knowing, having told the disciples that Lazarus had died, and saying that he is glad for the disciples that this is so. They arrive to find that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days already, and that many had gathered to mourn Lazarus and to support his sisters, Martha and Mary. And the sisters individually challenged Jesus, both saying that their brother would not have died if Jesus had been there. But even so, Martha has hope in the future resurrection and faith that Jesus still has power in this situation. Even in the face of death, when all seems lost, she still has faith in Jesus. And Mary, she falls at Jesus' feet and she weeps. So I'm going to read the next section of the story again. So reading from verse 33. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. 
Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And I think this passage is amazing. We see the humanity of Jesus weeping for his friend. He is deeply moved, he is troubled in his spirit and he weeps, he weeps at the graveside. And let's, let's dwell here for a while. Let's sit with Jesus as he weeps by the tomb. Because I don't know about you, but I felt all of those things over the past few weeks. I have cried, I've been deeply troubled, I have been uneasy in my spirit, and I have wept at the loss of a friend far too soon, gone home to be with Jesus. I am walking in grief and loss. We collectively, as a family, as a nation, are walking in grief and loss. We are in uncharted territory, facing a global pandemic that has fundamentally altered our lives for an unknown period of time. Because there are stories that we didn't even realize that we were telling ourselves about how our lives were gonna look and how things were going to go. Stories like how we would continue to meet and gather on a Sunday and we'd see our missional communities in the week and we would go to work and the kids would go to school and the biggest political issue of the moment was how Brexit was going to work out. We were going to go on holiday and we were going to go to weddings and we'd go for coffee and pop to the shops and we would not run out of soap or loo roll. We've lost our present and we have lost our imagined possible futures. And we've gained <laughs> unanticipated stress and anxiety. And that too is a loss because it's a loss of the peace that we once had. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to rub our faces in it or to, to make us feel sad. I'm suggesting that we already are feeling sad and that there is wisdom in noticing that, in paying attention to it and attending to the wounds that we have. Jesus allowed himself to be sad and he was moved by the sadness of others. And who are we to do anything different? Now more than ever, we get to be kind to one another and hold space for each other to grieve our collective losses. I'm suggesting that we give each other a free pass to be disappointed about missed events and opportunities, no matter how big or how small. Someone I know was due to get married on Thursday, just a couple of days ago. And even as the kind of the restrictions were getting tighter and tighter, they were determined to get married, even if no one else could be there. And they were gonna celebrate on a different day. And then the prime minister announced that weddings were no longer allowed to take place. And I felt really, really sad for them. And I said as much to them, I said that I was sorry for what they were going through, uh, but they, they brushed me off. And we're like, well, you know, other people are worse off. And that's, that's true. Objectively, that's true. And probably that's always true in life. But it doesn't mean that their pain or their disappointment 
is any less valid. Because comparisons are odious and pain is pain. We don't gain anything from comparing one lot of pain to another. And I think for me, I've lost track of the number of times this week that I've told my husband that I'm lonely and that I miss our friends and I want to hug all the people I love. Um, it's like a physical ache in my chest. It's pain that I don't get to see the people that I love. And he didn't, he didn't try to solve all my problems and he, he didn't even get offended that I told him I was lonely while we were spending time together. He just gave me a big hug and allowed me to feel my feelings. So I experienced loss this week, my friend experienced loss this week, but one is not more valid than the other. Both are real. And feeling sad is not a bad thing. Emotions are morally neutral. They are simply us responding to what we are experiencing. I think health is not stuffing the, the hard and the difficult feelings in a box, shoving in a cupboard and hoping that they go away because they don't. They sit there and they fester and they cause pain and they find a way to burst out somewhere. I think health is sitting with a feeling, is going through a feeling and noticing where it came from. What's the cause? What's the root? We get to notice and not judge. We don't need to judge our feelings, not ours, not anyone else's. We can feel our feelings in all their abundance and find comfort in knowing that even Jesus wept. Our Jesus grieved and knew sorrow. And in this, God is closer to us than our own heartbeat. God is near to the brokenhearted and he promises comfort to those who mourn. And in this, I honestly don't want to hustle us towards hope too quickly. I think over the last couple of weeks, social media has exploded with suggestions on how to use this time well. Learn a language, learn to knit, discover gravity like Newton or write King Lear like Shakespeare. Here's 102 ways that you can homeschool your children. Watch this, do that, do a virtual tour of this place, watch a ballet, watch a theatre thing, watch this, watch this, do this, do this, do that, do that, do that. It's a whole lot of bustle and productivity when maybe what our souls need is rest. Rest is an act of resistance. Maybe we can break up with the need to suddenly be able to juggle working from home and childcare and homeschooling and wrestling with the big and complicated feelings that we're having. And instead, we can pause and lean into the grace of God. Because God is good and great and gracious and glorious. We do not need to prove ourselves or be in control. We can simply be held. We can weep at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary did. We can trust that our Jesus will be moved by our tears and that he will come to meet us in our grief because there is hope. Not a wafty hope based in wishes and fairy tales, but a hope that anchors the, hot, anchors the soul. 
I even have a tattoo to remind me of that one. There it is. Jesus knew sorrow, but then he called his friend out of the grave. On the other side of grief, there is life and there is hope. We can speak life to each other and call each other out of the grave and unwrap each other's grave clothes. We can get into the mess and the stench of life and free each other to run. We can love one another so well that the world will recognise us as disciples of Jesus. And people will wonder about the hope that we carry. And we get to gift that hope onwards, person by person. What if we found a way to make grace and hope more contagious than this virus that has disrupted our lives. We have found ourselves in an unexpected wilderness and I'm expecting us to come out the other side different than when the journey began. I'm expecting the world to be different and I'm hoping that that different is a little bit more like the kingdom of God. And I don't know how long we're gonna be in this wilderness, but I trust that God is with us as a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud, the still small voice, a burning bush, or a man weeping next to the grave of his friend. And my challenge to you this week is to be honest with God about your grief. Maybe try and write a psalm of lament for this time of loss and anxiety and distance and pandemic. Write it on a piece of paper and then bury it at the foot of a tree or bury it in your garden, perhaps on your allotted daily exercise, but please not by putting yourself too close to another human being at the moment. But we can allow our grief and our lament to nourish the soil and to, to nourish something that is living and growing because that is hope. Life triumphs in all its fullness. And so to close, I would love to pray for us this morning. You might like to stand or kneel. You might want to extend your hands in front of you or place a hand on your heart or your belly or simply rest in the presence of God. All of these are good. So let's pray. Holy God, we come before you today in love and worship. Like Mary, who poured perfume on your feet and washed your feet with her hair. We give you all the glory and all the honour, for you are endlessly worthy and we love you. God we are tired too right now. We are sad and we are grieving because right now things are not as they should be. We are here and we are weeping at your feet. We feel crushed and perplexed, maybe even a little bit abandoned. We are mourning loss of community and loss of the touch of other human beings. We are mourning the loss of peace and we are stuck in fear of a virus that seems invisible and so dangerous. God, 
have mercy on us. Jesus, I pray that you would meet us in our grief, that you would bring comfort and you would bring life. I pray that you would call us out of the grave and teach us how to do the same for those around us. And Jesus, we pray for those of us who must stay home and for those of us who must go out on the front line of medical care and provision of food. We pray for those who have intentionally isolated from family in order to keep providing health care. We pray for the suddenly homeschooling and the suddenly homeschooled. We pray for those who live alone and for those in houses that feel far too full and for those who are on the streets. We pray for those whose cupboards are empty and for those who have stockpiled out of fear. We pray for the self-employed and for the small business owners whose futures suddenly look uncertain. May there be daily bread for us all. Spirit of God, I pray that you would fill us again. God, I pray that you would fill us with your peace and with your comfort, so much that we overflow with innovative ways to share the joy from a social distance of two metres or more. I pray that we, would be sh that we would be shaken by you and emboldened by you. I pray that we would be filled with hope even as we grieve. I pray that we would see the image of God in every person around us, even those who come closer than we would like. I pray that we would see visions and dream dreams and fall more in love with you, Jesus. I pray that you would hold us and bring us close and whisper truth in our ears. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, who walked this earth and went to the cross to destroy death and make all things new. Who wept over his friend and then called him back to life. May we be a people who speak life, breathe hope, and worship God with all our hearts. Amen. Bless you all.